if I think about my experience uh, taking over leadership of a church in kind of really tumultuous times, and then that going into a pandemic, which was a tumultuous time for, for, uh, for everybody, what is true is in all of that, there were a lot of really serious problems around. Uh, and what I can say, honestly, is in all of that, my biggest problem was me. Like my biggest challenge was that I felt the lack, I felt the absence, I felt the insufficiency of my knowledge, of my character. And when you're in that kind of place, uh, the only response is to ask God for help. five kids so mowing the lawn was like on me yeah i don't know why like i didn't love doing it yeah so it was like i don't know why i didn't like why isn't brad or zach doing it like they're big enough so no y'all didn't take turns no that was always my job it was always my thing and yeah weeding and and edging and i I mean all that from probably like seven or eight that was that was my deal because you have two brothers right I have three brothers. Three brothers. Yeah, one was quite a bit younger, so uh, it, that really didn't fall on him. But, yeah, it was something that I don't know why. That was just my deal. Yeah. yeah. And Yeah, I had three brothers, so we just rotated through. My dad, yeah. would, and my dad would even jump in, which was cool. You know, he'd mow, we'd, we'd eat. The other one would blow or sweep, you know, so we'd kind of rotate through but there really See, that would so- make sense to work yeah. together on that but it was like <laughs> no solo like you know zach yeah. your job is this brad your job is that go do those things and it was like well or we could just all do it together yeah. but there really is something about it not to take this too not to take mowing so deep but <laughs> there really is something about doing it yourself yeah. yeah and the lessons you can teach and like you said working together yeah. and not that like we had this crazy strong relationship because we mowed together but yeah, but I mean, I would say though, like I do remember the times that, like my dad showed me, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's okay, you've got you've got a an engine, you've got a machine that you've got to one take care of so yeah. that it that it functions for you, and then two, you've got to learn how it works. I mean, there's just skills in that that are just you you pick up from that you don't really necessarily yeah. see immediately. And you, you remember know? the mistakes, yes. right? Like I remember, oh. I put the. Uh, the lawnmower gas in the weed eater, and obviously it two stroke and takes yeah. different, yeah. yeah. And it's just like there's a lesson in there. Yeah. Right. That thing just starts making noise and shaking. And now that you're a dad, that's a lesson you don't want your kid to have to learn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know another mistake I made. It was St. Augustine grass. I'll never forget this. That's uh, the thicker, the thick. Yeah. yeah. Thick it's blade, great. Yeah. It looks great when it's mowed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mowed it one time, and it was actually my job. I was actually helping. You know, me and my buddy started this little mini business uh-huh. mowing lawns and a yard we were mowing had that grass. And so I'm going through and I get done and thinking I did a great job. And I look back and there's little thin strips all the way down that, that weren't mowed. And what I realized was my tire was going over that. I didn't, I didn't, uh, what's, I didn't overlap enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I get done with it and it just looks horrible. So I had to go yeah. back and redo it all again. So was that's that another your mistake. First I made. Job? Uh, yes. Yep. yep. Was it yours? It was like, a side um, I never got paid for mowing lawns. Okay. My first job, I worked at like a event venue at, like you worked Fort, at American 14. Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> you spray cologne? Yeah, at 12, I took my shirt off and just sprayed cologne. <laughs> That's awesome. 
All right. So I know we're kind of on a tangent here, but uh, welcome to the One Shot Podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about today, but to just recap, the last two weeks, we have gone through a book called The Wisdom Pyramid um, and, and talked through the challenges we're facing in society uh, when it comes to acquiring and leaning into wisdom. Um, you know, we have a ton of challenges, this, this age of information overload. How do we process it? How do we know what's true? Um, last episode, we talked about what that pyramid looks like, what the foundation needs to be, right? The only book in history that has proven, has, has proven to be true, you know, over almost 2000 years. Right. And so, you know, that being the foundation and then working up from there and, and recognizing too, like we're in an age where we have access to information and it's not, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, but what do you do with it? And then how do you process it? And how do you, um, how do you filter those sources? But again, today, like I said, I'm really excited. A dear friend of mine and Tiffany's, um, is joining us and, the reason we wanted to have him on because he's one, wise and we're not. That's <laughs> thanks for thanks for summing it up. <laughs> I'm very long winded. That's pretty much it. No, but um, so we've got Jamin Roller here, who is one of the pastors at Citizens Church in Plano, Texas, and Jamin um, has walked through a ton of things with Tiffany and I. Some some really hard things, some great things. Um, walk through with us and man, he has been just a light of wisdom. Um, uh, and Jamin's actually younger than me, which makes, makes me feel really sad. The <laughs> amount of wisdom that this man yep. has. Yep. And then I, the lack that I have, but, um, he, anything that I think, okay, Hey, look, I need, I need some guidance when it comes to, uh, life that I need it to be truthful. I need it to be honest. I need it to be logical. Um, and I need it to be, I need it to have, you know, God as, as the foundation of it. Like, this is the man that, that I go to and lean on. So Jamin, man, I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning and just, you know, dropping some knowledge bombs. So here's, here's one thing that I do promise Jamin reason I also brought him in is cause he's just going to give you the answers to life that you know. <laughs> he, he knows everything. So whatever he said, I'm just setting you up there. A lot of, yeah. lot of pressure but. to be disappointed. <laughs> That's part of wisdom is learning to handle disappointment. <laughs> That's right. Yes. But man, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So just so we can run through so they can get to know you a little bit. Let's, let's just talk quickly through, you know, your upbringing, yeah. you know, your, your Texas native, but, um, you know, talk through your family dynamic. Cause there's some things that, that made, that caused you to grow up maybe faster. Yeah. Um, than, than your, your everyday person. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me really. Yeah. It's an honor. And, uh, those kind words, uh, I feel the pressure now. So here we go. <laughs> um, I grew up in the DFW area. My dad started pastoring a church in Duncanville, uh, the year I was born, so he's been a pastor my whole life, pretty much. Um, and he's pastored just a small church down there uh, next to Lakeside Park. Um, and I am the third of four children, and my little brother, my youngest brother, was born with a birth defect called spina bifida, and he's been, he's been paralyzed from the waist down his whole life, and so uh, childhood looked a lot like uh, in church, at home, or at the hospital. And so mm -hmm. it was a really... Um, yeah, if I think about 
kind of having a front row seat to just some of the more uh, hard realities of life. That started at a really, at a really young age. Um, and then, uh, but, but life was, our home was great. My mom and dad loved the Lord. Uh, my dad is an incredibly wise man. My mom is an incredibly uh, wise woman. Uh, childhood wasn't without its, its challenges. There was a season there where there was just um, a, lot of, a lot of suffering, a lot of, uh, of, of difficult things that, that happened. My dad ended up getting out of ministry for about three or four years just to get the home healthy, and there's a lot tied up in that. Um, but yeah, I, because of, I think a lot of because I saw in our home mom and dad and brother suffer, really, and, uh, and, and go through difficult things, and I saw that the only thing that sustained, that truly sustained was Jesus, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being a part of a community that really loved us. I just, my affection for God, my affection for the church, my affection for uh, the Word of God just kind of grew at a really young age. And um, obviously the Lord, you know, saved me when I was a, as a young child, forgave me of my sins, and He's been faithful to me ever since. And so kind of late high school, it's, it's, a, it's a really unusual story, but like late high school, I knew I wanted to be a pastor, which really isn't like the fun thing to talk about in the locker room, but, um, <laughs> but I knew that that's what, what God had for me. I was confused about it uh, for a little bit, but um, but yeah, at a really young age, went to Bible college and then started ministry uh, pretty much right when I turned 20, and so mm-hmm. I've been in ministry, which was last year. Just kidding. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> that was about, uh, yeah, 16 years ago, so yeah. Um, yeah, and then my wife met my wife uh, right around that time, uh, right out of high school. We met and uh, dated for a few years, and then married young and uh, got into ministry. And the church that I'm at now, uh, Citizens in Plano, it was it used to be a campus of a of a larger church called the Village, which yep. is in Flower Mound. And I've been on staff there. It'll be nine years uh, in a few months. Um, we a couple years ago became our own church, and um, and uh, yeah, that was. August of 2019, mm-hmm. and then uh, we've been a church for about two and a half years. Yeah, and it's been really easy. That's not true. <laughs> no, no. I was okay, just going to so, ask. August of 19, yeah, before the world right goes crazy, which it's always been crazy. Before it really goes crazy, yeah, yeah. I want to talk. I mean, about, I would say the pandemic was more of just a wrinkle, like through that, like the, I, well, yeah, when he said but, it wasn't easy. Like there was other things, right? That yeah. and and this is kind of what I want to kick off. This wisdom is is when when I see and I and I was watching Jamin um, and his team, and when you talk, look, everybody can have the answer. Everybody can say, "Oh, hey, this is what you need to do, and this is what this means." And everybody, everybody is that right. Um, but when you watch someone just live out um, patience, obedience, um, live out faith still live with hope in like the most tumultuous hard times ever that to me is a reflection of what of what wisdom is because again you can say all these things and that's what we do we're a culture that you know wants to talk and i you know i've got this motivational instagram post and i've got this and i've got that but like to actually walk through trials and and be able to watch someone walk through that faithfully and selflessly when it is really hard personally really really hard that to me oh my gosh those are the people that like i'm drawn to and mm-hmm. want to be around so i mean maybe talk through the transition a little bit you don't have to get into a ton of details but you know talk through that and and what your perspective was through those times and you know again 
you're here sharing, but like also it's okay that you didn't know yeah. at the time. Yeah. I think that it was, I, well, so if you think about uh, any sort of leadership, whether that's uh, you're leading in a business, whether that's you're leading in a home, or whether that's you're leading in a, uh, a church, I think that there's a, uh, you lead out of your person, you lead out of who you are. And so your uh, leadership requires a kind of character and it requires a kind of depth of person. Um, my, I have a mentor who describes it this way. He talks about how um, when, you, um, when they build skyscrapers in New York, I think specifically maybe Manhattan, um, part of just like the engineering, and, and he might be wrong about this. <laughs> Don't fact So any check. contractors or engineers yeah, out there? I mean, if somebody's Feel free to poke holes. Yeah. But basically the idea is however tall the building's going to be, it has to be twice as deep. So it has steel kind of, you know, found steel rods, whatever, that, that go into the, the foundation. And however tall it's going to be, it has to be twice as deep into, into the ground to be able to sustain uh, what's happening above the surface, right? And he said leadership, really just life is the same way, however large your outer life has gotten. And that includes marriage. When you get married, your life grows larger. When you have kids, your life grows larger. If you have any sort of responsibility in any sort of company or business or church or anything like that, your life has grown large. And however large that is, what it requires, more than it requires having the right answers, more than it requires having a great strategy, it really requires a depth of person that's, I don't know if it's twice as deep, right? But it definitely needs to be deeper or your life will fall over. And that's why what you see a lot of is when people get their, their life expands and they have a lot of responsibility. And with that responsibility comes stress and it comes conflict. Why you see a lot of public figures, their life just falls over is because it got larger than what really their soul could sustain. And I think if I just, and maybe this isn't the answer to your question, but if I think about my experience uh, taking over leadership of a church in kind of really tumultuous times and then that going into a pandemic, which was a tumultuous time for for uh, for everybody, what is true is in all of that, there were a lot of really serious problems around. Uh, and what I can say, honestly, is in all of that, my biggest problem was me. Like my biggest challenge was that I felt the lack, I felt the absence, I felt the insufficiency of my knowledge, of my character. And when you're in that kind of place, uh, the only response is to ask God for help. Yeah. I mean, just to lean on Jesus to help sustain you. And I really do think that that, that it would be easy to think that, you know, wisdom is about uh, maybe coming to a place where you have answers, you always know the right thing to do. Um, and I think when I, especially when we read Proverbs where we're in now, it, you know, Proverbs 3 says, lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways, trust in God. Be not wise in your own eyes, uh, but fear the Lord. That was actually a jumbling of a bunch of different verses in yeah. Proverbs. So, but anyway, they're in there. And so I think that the, the idea is there has, to be, there has to be an honest assessment of your own limits mm-hmm. and your own weakness and what you need to know. And when we talk about wisdom at our church, we say that wisdom has a posture and it's low. Wisdom is, uh, the posture of wisdom is humility. And people do not grow wise with like a puffed up chest standing tall on their feet. People grow wise on the ground. And I think that my experience of wisdom, God has entrusted me with responsibility that is too much for me. 
And because it's been too much, it's put me on the ground. And that's where I found him. You know, that's where mm. I've, I've grown with him. And the option is to either fake it and crumble or be honest and God will meet you. And that's been my experience. Gosh. And that is, I just, that, that, that thought process, right? That humility, I just feel is so lost because mm. we, we live through this filter where we have to have it all together. We have to, um, you know, look like we know what we're talking about. Our family is great. It's all this, but you're exactly right. If, if it's not there, if the foundation, if the, it's called peers of the right. of the building aren't strong enough to sustain it. I mean, we're just adding so much to our lives so fast. Yeah, um, it's it's impossible impossible to keep up. And you know, I know Ben and I we talk about this all the time. We talk about this on the show. Is just you know we're three guys that are very transparent about our shortcomings because like we don't know it all. I mean, I mean Ben knows everything about fitness, and he yep. says that he's. <laughs> the number one fitness expert on the planet. So, but other than that, like we don't, you know, and, and so I love that you said is hey, a posture of wisdom is, is low. It's mm -hmm. humility. Uh, because that's when you, that's when you listen and learn. If you're busy talking and telling and faking, like you're not able to receive any of that, any of that knowledge, any of that information, any of that experience. Yeah. Um, talk through maybe today, we want all of the benefits, none of the struggle. Mm. Talk through the importance of, of actually enduring and, and going through those struggles. Yeah. So I think the bigger, I think one of our challenges right now, just as a culture, is that we are, we are pain avoidant. Mm. That we have, um, if we were to, I don't know, just kind of summarize all of the messages, whether it's in media or even in our own hearts, if we were to summarize the answer to the question, what makes life matter or how do you know life's going well? It usually the answer would be something that is, uh, it is full of blessing and it is free of pain. It is full of like everything that we want is present and none of the things that we don't want are absent. And um, the problem is, is we don't live in that world. We, we can't create that world for ourselves. I think that we live at an interesting time where um, there are a lot of really good things that, that, that humans have created, right? So if you think about the advancements in medicine, you think about the advancements in technology, uh, those things have benefited real people in real ways. But with that, I think there's also been an overconfidence in the kinds of things that humans can actually protect themselves from. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, we are uh, we are smarter in so many ways. We have more information. We have more access to healthcare, and at least at least where we live, we do. It's not true for everybody, but um, and and yet I think while that's been good, I think the expectation is we have gotten to a place as a society where we can protect ourselves from all the things that we fear, and we can secure for ourselves all the things we want. And when we discover, like everyone will, that that's not true, we don't know what to do with that. Mm. And it's, it's, so it's, I think the expectation of life uh, has been um, skewed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so in that, whenever any sort of suffering does come, we automatically think life is failing. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet for, this isn't just true about Christian history, uh, for a lot of world history and a lot of different worldviews, 
the way to actually become the things that are that are that are most valuable in life. The only way to discover and treasure life is through pain and through suffering and through enduring things that and and if you've ever been around someone who has suffered through something and come out the other side and they've suffered well through it, not everyone has suffered well, you realize that you're around someone who has something that's just really rare, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think part of it would be I'm not, going to, I'm not going to expect of life things that I can't control. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, uh, there's just really, this is true for my heart. And this is true in my life, that there's often a discrepancy between what I would say matters most in life and then how I actually spend my time, you know, mm-hmm. like if you were to if you and I think this is true for a lot of people, yeah. if you were to ask someone, hey, what's more important, your job or your kids, you know, or hey, what's more important, the promotion or, or, or being the kind of parent you want to be? most sane people are like, oh, well, I'll, I'll choose my kids, right? Yeah. We just kind of instinctively know that. And yet you're, you're rarely ever faced in life or a moment where you have to make that choice, where it's mm-hmm. like that stark of a choice. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is instead of faced with that one kind of you know, stark moment, you're really just faced with all these little small moments throughout your day and throughout your life where you choose one over the other. And what is it that helps you make that choice? What is it that helps you you know, pursue the thing that you would say, what is it that helps your time align with your actual values yeah. and its wisdom, but you don't often get that wisdom until suffering has given you that kind of perspective mm-hmm. um, to where you're willing to let go of some yeah. of those things that you would say. No, I, I think what God does in our lives is, is God will use pain so that our time will align with our priorities. And with pain, he'll pry those things that we would say aren't most important, but we hold on to like they're most important. He'll pry them out of our hands because he, because he loves us. Yeah, yeah suffering's it's so interesting. and It's become something that I've been more fascinated by lately because I'm okay with certain types of suffering. For me personally, I'm okay mm-hmm. with physical suffering, yeah. right? Working out, that's, that's totally cool with me. Because I understand that that suffering is going to build, ultimately build me back stronger. Yeah. But when a certain bill comes in that I wasn't expecting, or you know, a, a certain thing happens at work that I that I didn't expect, for whatever reason, I'm not okay with those sufferings. Even though I know more than likely at the end of that, it's going to teach me something. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to come back stronger. Mm-hmm. So I know that in the back of my head, but it's hard to realize that in the moment. Totally. Of the suffering that is that that's okay. Yeah. And again, it's weird for me personally that I'm okay with it in some areas of life, but I'm not in others. Yeah. And so getting to a place, do you ever get to a place that you, you mentioned the last few years have been, are you to a place now where you're like, all right, whatever suffering comes my way, I'm cool with it. Oh, no way. Okay. No, I'm at a place now where it's like, in some ways... I paid my dues, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, no, no, I, I, I did it. We're good now, right? Which there's a word for that. It's called foolish. It's not, it's not wisdom. Anti-wisdom. Yeah. I think, but what you said, Ben, is really important. I think that's true for a lot of people that um, we can, so maybe somebody listening is like, oh, yeah, I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of pain because I, uh, I do tough things. I do mm. difficult things, right? But, but I think that's the... Most people are comfortable with the pain that they're in charge of. Mm-hmm. Most people are comfortable with the pain that they control. It's what you described. It's yep. the unexpected, which, yep. is, which is mostly what suffering is. Yeah. 
there's a, 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 a Christian author, her name's Elizabeth Elliot. Her husband, Jim Elliot, was a missionary, and he was killed by the people that he was uh, going to, to share the gospel with. Um, there's, a, there's a movie that they made about it called The End of the Spear. It's really uh, it's a mm, wonderful story. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, from there, just became a prolific author. She's really, really smart. She writes on suffering. And what she says is suffering is having what you don't want or wanting what you don't have. And I appreciate that definition because it's really all-encompassing. Um, everyone knows what that's like to, to have what you don't want or to want what you don't have. Um, but there is the kind of suffering that changes you is not the pain that you volunteer for. It's the pain that you didn't see coming because then so much of wisdom, so much of that, that uh, wisdom as a posture, it's low. And what is it that humbles you? What humbles you is when you say, I'm not God. Mm. I'm not God. I'm not in control of my world. I'm not God. I mean, you just think about um, all of the decisions that happen in any given day that you would have made differently if you knew everything that God knows. So we, we know we're limited. We know that we're not, we don't have the power, the control. But our, uh, yeah, uh, John Calvin, he's a theologian. He, said, he talks about our hearts. He says our, our hearts are idol-making factories. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, from inside of us, we just create ways mm -hmm. to make this life and to make our world yeah. and to make our existence about anything and everything except yeah. for God. And namely, that's by trying to, to take God's place. Yeah. And so I think the lesson is it, it has to, like that bill comes in, right? And, it, and it, it sucks and you didn't see it coming. But part of what that means is it's the reason why we have the reaction we do is because there's something about our world that felt attacked by that. And that's different than the pain of working out. Nothing about your world felt attacked. Nothing right. about your world felt threatened. It's when the thing that comes in that you didn't see coming, and it's going after something that, that we really treasure. Because it's, it's the same way for me. It's like the, to that question, do you feel like you're any suffering come your way? There's some that if it comes again, it's like, yeah, we'll do that really well. Mm -hmm. But there's a kind that it can go specifically after the things that I most have my heart tied up in. And I wouldn't make it. Like I would, I would, I would go live under. There are there are things that I could lose that I think I would probably just go crazy if that yeah. happened, or mm -hmm. I'd go live under a bridge for a while, yeah. or I'd, mm -hmm. I'd, you know. And so I think that that, but that's part of the wisdom mm -hmm. is to say, I've kind of done the work to know what what are the things that I most want to defend in yeah. my life. And it's the things I most want to defend that are probably most competing with God for where he and he alone should be in my heart. Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier, some people don't suffer well. And I think of this, this new badge of honor that, that we live in, that um, in victimhood, mm. right? In our culture, it's, it's a badge of honor to talk about how hard it is and, and how bad we have it. And we don't have this and we don't have that. Maybe just like some thoughts on that, like what vi victimhood, what that actually does reflect. Yeah. Um, there's a quote, I don't know who originally said it, but um, uh, we've talked about it a lot at our church. It, pain that does not transform you gets transmitted from you. And so uh, the more cliche way to say that is hurting people hurt people, which is yeah. it's just true. It's super cliche, yeah. but it's really true. And I think that the, there are two 
ways to err, and this is an oversimplification, but for the sufferer, um, there is, you can either ignore your suffering or you can idolize your suffering. Mm. Um, if you ignore your suffering, it means you minimize it. You say it doesn't hurt like it actually does. Whereas Jesus is going to say in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And so there's something good and godly about agreeing with God about pain. So I think as we've talked about it, what I wouldn't want is I wouldn't want somebody to think, okay, God is just this um, kind of cold, apathetic, like, deity in the sky who's sending pain your way to make you a better person. Mm -hmm. That's not true because there is a way that God uses suffering to make us look more like Jesus, but there's also a way in which God uh, joins us in our uh, suffering, and he will share our emotion in that. That's what you see Jesus do. It's why Jesus, when he loses one of his closest friends, he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he still takes time to weep and to cry before he goes and brings him back to life because, because suffering's painful. Yeah. So, so God is, it is not, there is no badge in, I think, especially in the, there's a kind of culture that exists that's like toughen up, you know, um, like, you know, the, the man, this generation wouldn't have survived a war, you yeah. know, and that kind of, and that might be true. That probably is, <laughs> yeah. that probably is true. Right. Yeah. But, um, I think that there's a way to to minimize, to ignore suffering. Yeah. In, in suffering that we ignore, pain that we, we talked about this yesterday morning at church, actually, the pain that we ignore, it does not go away. It just comes out in ways that we can't control because pain either transforms you or it gets transmitted from you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other end of that, though, is to idolize the suffering, which is what you're talking about. To, um, And that's when it's you start to you become really judgmental. Mm -hmm. Like your experience has been harder than anyone else's experience. And what happens for those who have suffered and they idolize their suffering, they become um, uncorrectable and they become unteachable because any amount of correction or teaching makes them feel re-victimized. It makes them feel um, as if they are... uh, somebody's trying to bring them back into that kind of pain. And so the, mid, the middle ground of that, right, To because um, one, it's not true. There are, uh, there are plenty of people that have gone through plenty of really, really difficult things in life. Uh, and also, you don't get healed. The, the biggest problem is, is when you idolize your suffering or your pain, there's no healing in that because then you, you so associate who you are with that pain, that if that pain goes away or if that pain heals, you don't know who you are anymore. And so you will hold on to it as a way to, because you've so constructed your identity around it. The middle ground of that is to, um, there is a uh, artist, I don't know his name, but he's really popular for what's called, um, it's a, the art is called Kintsugi art. And what it is, is it is, um, it's a way of making, the only way I've I've seen it is, a way of making uh, like bowls, like these beautiful glass bowls. And what happens is, is they will take broken glass or broken uh, other material Mm -hmm. and they will use, they will actually use gold to fuse it back together. Have you seen this? I've seen, yeah. Yeah. And so you have this bowl and it's got all these cracks in it, but it's fused together and it's held together by gold. And the idea is, it's at those very places of brokenness that the bowl has become most beautiful mm. because it's the gold that has brought it back together. And I think that's what God does with us when we suffer is it's not, he doesn't take all the signs away. 
that something hurt us, but it's at those very places of pain and suffering that we have an opportunity for the most beauty to come out of our lives. And that's what, that's, that is the story of Christianity, that Jesus was wounded and out of his wounds we are healed, that Jesus was murdered and executed and his death became resurrection. We're about to celebrate that yeah. in a couple of weeks. And I think that's the unique thing that God will do with those who don't ignore their suffering over here. Mm-hmm. They don't idolize their suffering over here, but they come to God with it and they trust God with it and they allow God to be the one that, that mm-hmm. heals. And out of that, it'll, it'll transform us and make us, make us people that I don't think we could become had we never been through what yeah. we've been through. So last night, um, Dr. Brian Loritz, uh, spoke. We hosted something at the house uh, for uh, a ministry that Tiff and I are involved with. Nice. And um, TFTI. Yeah. That means thanks for the invite. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah. Uh, no, I, I invited Michael instead. So <laughs> worship that was, leader. For that was the better choice. <laughs> but um, but he he talked about. Uh, you know, we, we talked about identity last night. It was a bunch of former players. Yeah. Something that the athletes struggle with, and we talk about it quite a bit. And one of the things that, that he said is we have, we have a full-time prosecuting attorney in our head. Yes. Constantly, we're, we're talking down to ourselves, telling us what we did wrong, how we're not good enough. So it, in, in the midst of trial, in the midst of suffering, I mean, what are some things that, that, that help? If you're talking with someone, counseling somebody, that help to say, hey, I've got to recognize where I am in this moment and to realign my perspective so I don't go down, you know, the the ignoring or idolization of, uh, you know, of suffering. Mm-hmm. So how do how can you just, again, listen to the voice and what voice to listen to mm-hmm. in those times? Yeah, I think the the most important thing is to pay attention to what you're believing about God mm-hmm. in that moment. Because so much of our thoughts about ourselves are ultimately rooted in what we think about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the most common reaction if life is really hard is to think God is punishing me. Uh, which is interesting because we tend to... Um, we tend to give ourselves credit when things go well, and then we tend to blame God when things go poorly. Yeah. So when, um, when life's going really well, we look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. When life's going poorly, we look at the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so if life is going poorly, if life is really difficult, the, uh, the most important thing to pay attention to is what do I believe about God? Is this punishment? Because if it's, if it's punishment, then... The place I need to go for comfort and consolation, the thing I need to know if I'm suffering is that it has a purpose. That I have seen people endure just the most unspeakable things, and they can endure the unspeakable if they believe there's meaning in it, if they believe there's purpose in it. And then I have seen people unable to endure much lighter suffering because they thought it was all pointless, because they thought it didn't... Because the, the thing that mattered most to them, the suffering took away. And with that suffering, took their meaning went away as well. And, and so um, you see this in um, the Christians who survived the Holocaust. There's a, uh, I'm going to butcher it, the name and, and the study and all that. But basically it was these people who, these Christians who came out of and survived the Holocaust. And basically the, 
the ones who who were able to endure all of the kind of atrocities that happened there were the ones that kind of kept that daily conversation, communication with God uh, open, the ones who believed that what God, that, that somehow, some way, God was going to use this. The, um, the name was Dietrich von Hoffer. Is that who you're thinking of? Well, he is one. Yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely one of them. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the idea that the, the whole Joseph story, that what man meant for evil, God meant for good, and, yeah. and all that. But when you lose that sense of, sense of purpose, you really can't endure anything, even if it's yeah. maybe more, I guess, light suffering. But um, So I think the most important thing for your own soul health and mental health in that is what, what you believe about God. I think I, I compare it to this. It's like the, um, the, the son who is asked by the father to do a really hard thing if that son's experience of the father is cruel, then the hard thing will feel like cruelty. He will interpret what he's being asked to do through the lens of what he believes to be true about his dad. Uh, I've got a really good dad, um, a really godly father, and there are, there are hard things that he asked me to do when I was in his home or things that I felt like were, were hard. Um, and yet... There was a stamina for the difficult because I believed he loved me. Yeah. And even if I didn't understand, even if I didn't agree with what, if it was just like yard work or something, yeah. you know, silly, or even if it was a lot of, uh, even if rules I didn't understand or anything like that, when I couldn't make sense of what he was asking, I could still make sense of who I believed him to be <sighs> and interpret the moment through that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for those who are going through difficulty, the most important thing is I might not be able to make sense of this, but I have a father in heaven whose heart is good. Mm-hmm. And one day all the confusion, the things that I'm not sure about, um, all that will, will be clear, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This may answer what I was about to ask you, but or that answer you said, you know, 2022 is wild time to be in history. You know, because we're going through, we're coming out of an event that literally affected everybody, Mm -hmm. like nothing ever else ever did. And now we've got war on the other side of the world. Mm. We've got, you know, political unrest here at home, you know, divided and, and social media is contributing to that. How are you encouraging people to be wise with all that going on? You kind of answered it a second ago, but there's just so many things competing in our minds that we're all going through together. How do we stay out of that dark tunnel that the world's throwing at us right now? Yeah. One of the reasons why I wanted to do the wisdom series at our church is because the kind of the two predominant cultural emotions that I think we all see are fear and anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fear uh, in a way that's like paralyzing uh, and it's anger in a way that's explosive. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's the way that people talk to each other, whether that's, um, yeah, I think that there were, there were so many things tied up in the last two years, so many of them unexpected. And so the fear comes from, hey, I have been conditioned to believe that there is something coming around the, the corner that's going to, um, I remember the first time I, I uh, was in Colorado, I rented a car and we were driving somewhere and I'd never been in the mountains before and I'm driving in the mountains and I see this, the signs that say falling rock or like beware of falling rock. 
And I did not know that that was normal. I thought like there might be, there was, had to have been some sort of condition. And so I was like so anxious and I just expected these like mountain sized boulders to fall from the sky. And, um, and it, they didn't, you know, because it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not normal for the rocks to just, they, they have those there. And, but I think that right now what's happening is a lot of people are living life like that, that mm-hmm. it's just like, they just saw the sign and they're like, oh my gosh, rocks fall from the sky. Mm-hmm. And so they're driving, they're driving their lives with that expectation. The other end of that, the anger end of that is um, we've all felt a sense of a loss of control. The world is not what we thought it was. Mm. And the way, instead of acknowledging that, instead of maybe even grieving that in a way, you can try to recapture control by way of anger and rage. In a lot of ways, that's why people are so mad at each other. Mm-hmm. That there is something, again, there is something about life that was threatened. Um, there, and so now everybody has an enemy. Everybody has an other Everybody has in their mind the person that is, they are what's wrong with the world. And there's two things that happen if I live my life like that, that they are what's wrong with the world. Um, One, I get to feel really good about me. And then two, I have an outlet for all of my anger and and it's them. And so to answer your question, if that's the moment that we live in, it's fear and it's rage. It's fear over, over, oh no, what's coming next? The rocks are falling. Or it's rage at that person's what's wrong. Uh, Christianity offers an answer to both of those. To the afraid, Christianity says there's a God who's in control of all things. And Romans 8 says he uses all, he causes all things to work to the good of those who love him. So we don't, we don't have to know of the rocks that are falling or might never come. It can be enough for us that we know that God knows those things. And for the rage, uh, Christianity says love your enemy. Jesus says you've heard that it was said you know, love your neighbor, but I say to you, love your enemy, do good to those who persecute you. And I think that that, this is the, I think this is the feature of wisdom that is most needed right now. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh, wisdom is not information. We all know people who are really good with information and really bad at life. Mm -hmm. We all know people who know the same amount of things and their lives look very different. And so what is it? It's, It's not... Uh, the problem for so many is not that they're lacking answers, they're lacking information. It's that they haven't been changed by what they know. They haven't been changed by the information that they have. And so it, it's not flashy. It's not, it's not even necessarily motivating or encouraging. But the way forward in this world is really to believe the words of Jesus and to believe that the, the thing that I most need to navigate this world is I need to change. Mm-hmm. I need uh, character development. When we t- the other thing we talk about with wisdom at our church is wisdom has a posture, it's low, and wisdom has a pace, it's slow. We grow wise over time. Yes. And in an immediate download culture, mm. that's really, really yes. hard. Yeah. We are used to, I, I think I told the story of my, uh, we were trying to download something on the Apple TV and it was uh, the download screen popped up and it said something like 20% downloaded, 15 minutes remaining. And my son, he's 11, goes, 15 minutes? <laughs> it's like, come on, you know? And it's like... Do you know how to- long it took to drive to Blockbuster? <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then the hour there to pick out the movie? And then when you put the movie in and it starts like halfway because... Then you got to rewind, rewind yeah, it? Yeah, come on. 
Ben, do you remember those days? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, right. Oh, yeah. I used to go to, in seventh grade, I used to go to the local video store and get WWE videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you look like awesome. a WWE guy. That, that doesn't I was all me. into that in middle school. And then yeah. would you like act it out in your Of backyard? course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Throw someone on a table or something. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so we are, that's kind of the, the climate of the culture right yeah. now. 15 minutes, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and, Wisdom takes time. I, I love that point because you're exactly right. There is no shortcut. Mm-hmm. You can listen to wise people and counsel and, and, and be encouraged by wise people, but it's still going to take time yeah. to truly develop it. Because yeah. change takes time. Right. right? Yeah. And like you said, you can have the information, but if that information mm-hmm. doesn't change you, yeah. I mean, I love that. Like that is, that is a depiction of wisdom is you're letting the information, the truth, yes. the best that we know, the truth change you, right? What uh, besides the church and besides the Bible? What are some sources you look to? Again, we know it's it takes time, but what are some resources that you like to go to for wisdom? Netflix. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, YouTube, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a. What's interesting is uh, Proverbs uh, answers that question. So there's a uh, there's a uh, it, Proverbs chapter six is talking to a, a type of fool called the sluggard, and it tells the sluggard, "Look to the ant." In the other, in other words, the sluggard is the person who uh, idolizes comfort, and so they struggle to work hard, or they have these small compromises in their life. Um, and what the author of Proverbs says is, "Look to the ant. The ant works really hard. The ant gathers. They do these things. There's like a long." boring discipline to the ant's life because what they don't believe is they don't believe that they can um they don't believe that they're exempt from the ways and the order within which god made his world you have to work hard Mm. to eat you have to work hard to to survive right and so there is that like um the the other like the the outside of the bible the next kind of place is just god's creation to just observe uh in god's creation how he made the world to work, right? Talking about uh, wisdom being slow, God has in his creation wired his creation to grow slowly. You plant a tree, right? Right now it's like right at the beginning of spring and we just planted some different things in our yard or whatever. And it's like, you don't watch plants. You just don't sit and watch a plant grow because its growth is so like incremental and slow, right? And so, unless it's a weed, I guess let's yeah. grow weed fast. But we came full circle back to mowing That's the lawn. Right. Yeah. See, that, there, you've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> Land the plane. Yeah. <laughs> so we, um, I think that I think being in creation, mm. understanding that creation has a purpose. There's beauty to it, and even in the Bible, the Bible will look to creation and say, "Learn from it." God's kind of God's kind of wired His fingerprints in it for you to yeah. learn things about Him in that way. And then two, I think. This is not true for everyone, um, but as a young leader, I need older people in my life. Um, if you grow wise over time, if wisdom's pace is slow, there's probably not a whole lot of wise 21-year-olds. Mm-hmm. There might be some that are on their way to wisdom, and if you're 21, God bless you and keep you. But um, <laughs> there's, I, I want to look to and learn from the guy... Uh, or lady in their 60s or mm-hmm. 70s that one of the most encouraging um, moments I had during kind of the height of, of all the, some of the difficulty we walked through is I got to spend 
a couple hours with a pastor who's in his 70s. He just retired from ministry, and he finished really well, and he's using the last chapter of his life to just encourage younger pastors. That's what he wants to do with his life. And um, he just said things to me during that time, just imparted wisdom, and none of it, none of it was, uh, I'd heard all of it before, really. I've encountered all that before, but because it came from him, Mm-hmm. And because it had the, it came from a mouth that had the backing of seventy years well lived. It just mattered more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think I think spending time now, not everyone who's seventy is wise. Sure. Some people being seventy means they've had seventy years to practice foolishness, <laughs> and uh, and and that comes out of their life. But those who were on the path of wisdom and stayed on the path of wisdom, and wisdom slowly grew in their life over time. Uh, there's a lot to learn. From the decade ahead of me, two decades ahead of me, three decades ahead of me. Uh, yeah. yeah, we talked about this yeah. in the episode, first episode. For generations of time, we've lived with all age groups. Yeah. And you're in the same tribe as an 80-year-old and, and a 3-year-old, and everybody's together, and you're seeing each other every day. Now, we've separated from that. We mm. stick our old people in a home. Mm for them to die and we just go about living our lives. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It, you're not, I'm not around older people very much throughout the course of my day. I have to seek it out now. Mm-hmm. It's not just natural. And I, and I think we're in a time too where we discredit um, the older generation as well. Like you don't know what it's like now. Yeah. You're disconnected. You, your world is gone. Yeah. The, what you know doesn't apply, but that it couldn't be further from the truth. We are living at a time, and it might be the first time in human history, where new is better. Yeah. And that hasn't always been the case. It, it used to be that unless it has age to it, it's not quite. And so I even think, to your point, you know, the, um, those who are older, they get discredited because they're not as proficient in the things we value most. Sure. If they don't know how to use the newest iPhone, or they don't know the US, they, they haven't watched the latest meme or whatever right and it's it's there's something about that that's easy to dismiss but i think even in that what's exposed is how backwards our values are right where it's like again you can be great with technology and bad at life Mm -hmm. you can be well versed in the you know cultural conversations and all the arguments and all that and yet bad at life yeah yeah the three of us it's interesting because the three of us you know, 20, 30 years from now, we'll be looked up to by that generate. Now the technology is going to keep advancing and they're going to go through different, but we're really the first group to go through this technological age. Yeah. And so we're kind of the guinea pigs of this age. We're yeah. making a lot of mistakes and that's natural and that's normal. But those of us that are trying to gain wisdom through this, that's the encouraging part about it is what we can pass along. Yeah. Because Yes, while I agree, like they don't know what it's like, and, and that, that may not be the right mentality, but on the one hand, they don't know exactly what it's like to go through such a technological age. Now, there's things that they went through that we can learn from, absolutely. But what we're going through right now, somebody's going to look up to mm-hmm. in yeah. 30 years and be like, they went through that. They went through the beginning of this mm-hmm. yeah. age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, what did they learn? And, and, and I agree, but. What, what Jamin said was where our values are. Like our values are on professional success. Our values are on um, social media. Our values are on technology. Our values are on like what I want now. Regardless, 
there's still marriages. Mm -hmm. There's still parenthood. There's still loss. There's still relate, you know, um, friendships, other relationships. There's still leadership. There's still all of these things that are timeless lessons Mm -hmm. that, that they have gone through, whether they failed at them or they've been successful at them or both. That doesn't change. The foundational principles in life that I would say are important, right? Like faith, family, leadership, those things, that will not ever go away. Hopefully, will not ever go away. Mm -hmm. So again, we're discrediting them for not being up to date or up to speed with the less important items in our life. Sure, yeah, that's a good point. And I would just, my, my encouragement for, you know, what you're, 18. I mean, I think it's normal from like 16 to 22 just to look at old people and be like, you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And then you turn 25 and you're like, okay, you actually did know what you're talking about. Like some of those things you shared with me. But my, my hope is that you'll find someone again, not every person, you know, with a, with a bigger number associated with their age is wise, but find someone that you can you know, uh, get mentored by, do life with, shadow, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's professionally, whether it's personally, because there are things that, that the older generations have gone through, experienced, endured, lost to, won against, that can absolutely help you do life. Yeah. Not, not hobbies, not work, not how you spend your time scrolling on your phone, but do life, real life. Amen. Maybe one way to ask it would, would be what, what kinds of conversations do I want my grandkids to trust me with? Mm. And by the time that I, if God gives me the years, by the time that I have grandkids, what I think is probably true is technology will have advanced. I'll, I'll be the guy that's like, I don't, I don't know how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't help you. Yeah. With your give me the big numbers you know? on the remote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they'll be like, grandpa, why are your texts so big? You know, your letters. Um, and it's like, I'm okay with that. I, I think I'm okay. Even I think I'm okay if, if they're not coming and saying, you know, grandpa weigh in on the latest like argument or thing happening, but I do want them to come and say, Hey, how do, how do I make a marriage work? You mm-hmm. know? Um, what does it look like to spend time with God? Um, what's the most important thing to look for when, when choosing a church? Um, how do I raise kids? You know, how do I suffer well? Those are the kinds of conversations that I, that I hope that they hope that they trust me with. And I, I think I'm resigned that a lot of life will probably kind of pass me by and there will be a lot of it that I feel behind in, but it's like, if there's a day where they're like late teens, early twenties, they come over we sit on the back porch and they trust me with some of the deeper things in life. That will be a huge win, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And that's one of the things the book talks about is discernment when Mm -hmm. to be able to say no and recognize like, I can't be everything to everybody Mm -hmm. because if we try that, we are paper thin in depth. Yeah. And I think wisdom comes with very, very deep, deep-rooted um, uh, deep rooted experience and knowledge and passion in, in those things and recognize, look, I'm not going to know everything about everything, and I can't, and be okay with that and, and be able to say no to certain things because that doesn't align with what I want to be able to 
have conversations with my grandkids about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like and figuring that out but i just i don't know if we even ask ourselves those things yeah if we ever stop and say okay what is really truly important to me and what can i really pour my time effort um and treasures into we just don't we just we're it's like we're at the mercy of everyone else all the time because we just don't stop and say all right where do i need to go deep yeah because what's important yeah yeah so jamin somebody's listening to this and they loved what you had to say today they loved your encouragement your wisdom where can people find you how can they get connected with you where can they learn more about you um yeah so i uh preach almost every week at citizens church in um, plano and so citizenschurch.com is our website and sermons are there if you live in or around plano and you're looking for a church home we'd love mm-hmm. to see you at 9 or eleven fifteen on a sunday morning Nice. Um, if you don't, then then there's a lot of wisdom out there. Well, y'all probably do online. We do Service, online. I imagine. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah. if you're not, yeah, if you're not here in live Texas, ser- not yeah, here in Dallas, live services on in. on YouTube. Yep. Um, you know, there's a couple citizens churches out there, um, but the logo's a crown. Yep. Um, so if you're looking for the logo, um, that that on on YouTube live and it's live with those service times that, that Jamin yep. mentioned. Um, but you know, you guys keep them, the sermons posted. Yes. Right. Okay. That's right. All right. So they're on the website. There's, you know, podcast citizens church, uh, in Plano. Yeah. Right. And there's, and and one of the things that, that, you know, the book talks about is just community. And we talked about it is, is the church and, and being around people, gaining wisdom from those that, um, are moving in the same direction or are rooted in the same foundational, beliefs and and just being encouraged by each other there's wisdom in community and and tiffany and i just being in the community at at citizens and and with jamin we have benefited tremendously from that and and in in turn our kids hopefully Mm -hmm. will have benefited from it so um i would highly encourage if you're in the dfw area if you're not i mean we've got people all over that are listening um check it out but I would also highly encourage just connecting to a community yeah, and, and, sure. and the church is, is the best place to go. And, and again, I want to be very clear too, right? Like the church, people have bad, have had bad experiences. People have been hurt. Um, and my hope is that you just, ha- you endure and recognize, look, that's, you're hurt from people. It's not, it's not God that hurts you. Yeah, for it's sure. It's people. Um, so just encourage that like look if i know the church i'm never going back they you know they did this to me and 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 they're hypocrites yeah we are hypocrites people are hypocrites Mm -hmm. and nobody's perfect um but i just encourage not to do life isolated yeah for sure so awesome and we appreciate it man yeah thanks for coming love you brother thanks for having me guys this is fun we'll uh we're gonna do this again because there's a whole lot more yeah that we can we can unpack but we really appreciate it um thank you for listening uh if you found any value in today uh please share again it just it would share be wise with, of you to share it would be very wise <laughs> uh so share with a friend share with a family member share with a colleague uh, because there, there's some really important things that that jamin um, hit on today and uh, one thing i love about jamin is just the illustrations he uses just to make it make sense um, and, and there's a lot that we can gather from today. So please share, uh, if you have any comments, please feel free 
we are always always looking for constructive criticism, um, acknowledgments. If there's a topic that you want us to discuss, let us know. We, we love that. Um, but we appreciate you, and uh, we will see you next week on the morrow. <laughs> Thanks, guys.